It's that time. The sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, Thursday. Do you hear on fourteen fifty the sports buzz? Uh, a jam-packed show yesterday. Things will be a, a bit calmer today in terms of uh, being able to to talk about more things. And uh, mainly, the focus yesterday was on Kentucky's close win at LSU. We, we might wrap that game up today and and start to briefly look ahead to South Carolina. Although I don't believe that will be. I don't think anybody's predicting an upset in that game at Rupp Arena. Uh, but uh, we'll be able to to touch more topics today, uh, which will be fun. Louisville with a interesting game against Pittsburgh last night, a, a game that they led early, allowed Pittsburgh to hang around. Pittsburgh eventually took the lead. Louisville comes back and, and wins uh, by 13 and really pulls away late. An impressive push from Louisville when they were down similar to the Kentucky game in a sense, uh, but but Louisville was able to ignore all the uh, excitement and really finish out Pittsburgh in a hurry uh, without hitting a three, which was interesting. So we'll talk more about that game. Some interesting college basketball, actually, in the SEC. We'll talk some SEC basketball. Uh, and there's a wide variety of other topics that I want to get to today. So we'll do all that, especially basketball recruiting. So it should be a fun show. Yates, how are you today? Doing well, TJ. How are you? Doing doing great. Did you and the missus enjoy a, a nice birthday celebration? Yeah. Yeah, we did. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, and, and as Rob Blackhawk mentions, and I was going to point this out, tweeting early into the show today didn't win the powerball unfortunately there were three tickets i think one in puerto rico one in north carolina and one in texas uh not in louisville unfortunately especially unfortunate for me yeah all right well life goes on i suppose uh it would have been nice but as you have it, uh, those people uh, I think are going to end up making around maybe 125 million splitting the ticket. Uh, good, good for them. Best of luck moving forward for them. Uh, looks like Yates will just have to keep keep working. Keep not allowed to quit our day job just yet, huh? I guess not. Guess not. Uh, anyways, uh, Recorded a Cats Illustrated podcast today, and you can always listen to those when you're not listening to the sport. A good debate, you know, you get about 30 or 40 minutes with my, and that's a good debate, you know, you get about 30 or 40 minutes with my boss, Brett Dawson, and a co-worker, Alex Forkner, and we talked about a lot of the same things that we had talked about on yesterday's radio show. We talked to the LSU game and, and looked ahead a little bit. Uh, but there's always some interesting talking points that we don't have enough time to talk about on the podcast, and, and luckily I can mention those here. Uh, now the podcast won't run till later today or tomorrow. I'm not really sure exactly when it'll run, but it's always good to hear uh, some interesting points from other other perspectives. Uh, and it seemed that you know, I guess maybe a lot of people are. 
or incredibly down on Kentucky's defense as of late. Uh, and yeah, you give up 69 points to LSU. You allow them to go on a huge run and, and, and really uh, LSU score in anywhere, any way they wanted. LSU right off the bat had no problem scoring on Kentucky's uh, defense. I'm not, maybe I, you know, and, and I kind of got this vibe from the podcast, but maybe I'm in the minority where I'm not too concerned about Kentucky's defense. You look at it, you give up 69 points to LSU. Uh, that was a road game, difficult environment. You're, you're going back-to-back games, road games, and, and hostile places where it's the other team's biggest game on their schedule. I don't think it's a cause for concern just yet. You look at it, they give up 61 points to Florida. You're going to win if the opponent scores 61 points. You should. 58 points to Georgia. Yeah, Georgia had a great second half, but still only finished with 58 points. If a team scores 58 points against Kentucky, Kentucky's winning. 55 against Alabama. Alabama's not great, but still. 53 at Missouri. Missouri's not great, but 53 points. Held South Carolina to 43 you know, you, it goes on and on. It, it just keeps going. So I wouldn't say that one semi-bad game, and remember, Kentucky held LSU without a field goal over the last four minutes. So I'm not ready to panic and say anything about Kentucky's defense, but you are starting to see this new blueprint that teams are doing against Kentucky that that really I think it started with Georgia and, and what they're doing is to make up for the size difference because Kentucky's going to be bigger than every team they're going to play. They're the second biggest team in all of basketball around the world at any level. I think only the Portland Trailblazers are bigger than than Kentucky. So what teams are doing is they're spreading the floor and they're hoping for one-on-one matchups with Kentucky and, and, and really trying to isolate Kentucky's bigs in one-on-one matchups so you can't have help. And you saw LSU do a lot of that, and, and with Mickey and Martin, they, were, they had some success with it. Uh, they, would, they would send those guys on backdoor cuts, just regular cuts. They'd want to be able to get them the ball when they had a, a step on the big man that was guarding them and have them finish if they could, and, and they were, because they're, they're good players, and obviously Johnny Jones knows that. So that's what teams are going to start to do and, and continue to do, is try to make it one-on-one matchups and not let Kentucky's defense swarm you or overwhelm you, because they're so big, they're going to, if you give them that chance, they're going to do that. And if you get a one-on-one matchup, and you're able to get a little separation and get a shot, it might be contested, it might be a tough shot, but it's better than the alternative, and, and that's what teams, I think, are starting to realize. It'll be something that, to, to keep an eye on moving forward. Now, we also talked about the schedule stuff and how I've, how I've been very persistent in saying that I think it's at Tennessee or at Georgia if, if Kentucky's going to lose. We talked about that on the podcast. Uh, they they tended to agree. The Arkansas game could be incredibly tough, uh, but it seems that a lot of emphasis will fall on that Georgia game, looking way ahead uh, down the schedule. But it's a tough finish for Kentucky. 
you know, at Mississippi State should not be a tough game whatsoever, uh, but it is on the road. First, Arkansas at home. Arkansas, we talked about teams that are going to be able to try to isolate Kentucky in those matchups. Arkansas has the has the skill set, has the talent, and has that build, a similar build to LSU, where that could really work. Now, again, I think Kentucky's going to take care of business at home. Four home games left for the Cats. Uh, no, uh, I would be shocked if they lost one of them, but Arkansas could be could be difficult. I think Kentucky will turn right around, play Georgia on the road. Again, I think that's their toughest game to, to stop them from having an undefeated season. And then Florida. It's a tough finish. But the good news is for Kentucky is even if they lose, uh, but, but more specifically if they were to win out the regular season, that's a clean slate. My boss, Brett Dawson, talked about how the, the pr- there's so much pressure if they go into the tournament undefeated, and there's so much pressure every game that they win of, of having an undefeated season. You know, I don't want to speak for him, but he kind of insinuated that a loss could help take off that pressure. But I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I'm curious what you all think. If Kentucky gets to the tournament undefeated, I don't think that adds any more pressure. I think when you're in the NCAA tournament, it's win or go home. That doesn't matter if you have one loss, zero losses, or ten losses. Once you're in the tournament, even if Kentucky's 34-0, and you have one goal, and anything besides that is a disappointment. You know, I guess if Kentucky got to the championship game and you realize that you're 39 and 0, you're one one game away from having the best season in the history of college basketball, maybe then it adds some pressure, but I don't think in your normal first, second, third round tournament game it really adds that much. Because come the championship game, it's it, it really is for Kentucky win and win and take all or lose and have a a disappointing season despite being so dominant. So maybe then, but I, I don't think that I don't think that there's a added pressure once you get to the tournament. I don't think there's added pressure once you get to the SEC tournament. Maybe maybe in this bottom half of the schedule there is. There's added pressure because hey, you've come this far, you might as well close it out. And maybe they play a little differently than they normally would, knowing that. But I think I think the good news is you've got such a deep bench for UK. If a one player is thinking that, well, he's going to play poorly and he's going to sit on the bench and not play. But it'll be something to monitor. And I think UK's lackadaisical play, when you let Florida get out to a hot start against Kentucky, when LSU has their runs, I really think you can just trace that back to being a bit bored. I could be mistaken. Hannah texted the show and asked if why the, the noise on a computer made a flushing sound. I don't know what that is. I'm, I'm not doing the radio show live from the bathroom, I can assure you that. Uh, and I didn't hear it here, so I'm not exactly sure what it could have been. Uh, but I'll, I'll look out for it, whatever it may be. But, you know, we do, the, we do it via Skype. So I'll keep an eye on that. But just some interesting talking points in the podcast, stuff that we didn't necessarily touch on yesterday that I wanted to to get out there. One topic that we didn't get to talk about yesterday, and we'll talk about this up until the break. And Yates, I'm curious your opinion on it. 
So the Little League World Series punishes the the Chicago Little League team that won the United States Championship. Jackie Robinson West, uh, which is in which is in Chicago. Yates, what'd you make of that? Of the Little League stripping them from their U.S. title? Uh, I I never read any story about it, but I I caught the gist of it. I guess they used outside their district. I don't know if this was Correct. like Mighty Ducks scenario where the the Hawks redo redrew the lines to get better players or what, but. I mean, if they if they cheated, you got, I guess you got to take their 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 title away. I yeah, mean, I don't, I don't really know what that does. I mean, I I guess it says don't do it in the future. But if they're if they're using players that they shouldn't have been, they don't deserve to be the champions. We've been green a, a lot lately, Yates, and I don't know if I like it. Uh, but there was there was certainly some gerrymandering going on with the Chicago. Little League team where, uh, if you don't know how it works, you go to your local Little League, whether, I, I played at Butchel in Louisville, and uh, Germantown has a league, and St. Matthews has a league, and Indiana, New Albany, I'm sure Jeffersonville, you have leagues in certain neighborhoods, and your all-star team is composed of the best players in that league. What this Chicago team was doing Jackie Robinson West is they were taking other little league players from other teams. So say, you know, Jackie Robinson West took some players from, you know, the South side of Chicago or yeah. Trying to think of the, the golden coast. If there's a golden coast, little league in Chicago, they were taking some of the best players around and mixing them in with the Jackie Robinson West team. And, Jackie Robinson, somewhere along their tournament run to get to the Little League World Series, they beat a team 42-3, to I believe. Or maybe it was 43-2, to something along those lines. They, they won a game by 40 runs, which is disappointing in itself. And, you know, I, I don't know if you tell the kids, stop hitting, strike out on purpose. But at some point, maybe you do. And that was only in four innings before they called the game. Uh, pretty ridiculous in itself, but the coach of that team that was defeated was the one that opened up this investi- investigation and really pushed into it, wanted to find out, find the facts, and if it came to fruition, then get this team in trouble. And, and as we know, that, that, all, that all happened. And Yates, the popular opinion with national media and writers is that the Little League is channeling its inner NCAA and being bullies by taking away this title from Jackie Robinson West, and they're not doing any favors for the kids and for the African-American baseball community. And while I get it's incredibly unfortunate for these kids, probably a lot of kids that, you know, they're 12 years old, they don't have a say in what's going on. If some coach tells you that you're going to play baseball for this team you're not going to question the rules you're going to be on a really good team and you're going to win and you're not going to worry about it so it it, there's no way around it being unfortunate for the kids but what else can you do i I mean this team 
thanks to the adults, again, not the kids, but thanks to the adults that run the team, flat out cheated and broke rules that the Little League World Series had, that they've always had, and just completely disobeyed them and went on a tear with a dominant team that cost other teams that were playing by the rules, presumably, chances at that same glory. And one of those teams is close to home, the, the New Albany Little League team. And I think we missed some radio shows because they were playing, and they, they beat, they were defeated by this Jackie Robinson West team in the Midwest or the Great Lakes Regional Championship, if I'm not mistaken. So a local team was, was gypped out of a chance of playing in the Little League World Series where they could have had the exact same success. Who knows? So I, I completely agree that it's unfair for the kids. But here's the things. One, what does it really change for the kids? A lot of columns that I read hinted that this is going to deflate them. It's going to take out their hope for baseball and maybe even society because they're inner-city Chicago kids. This brought them together and realized if they worked hard, they would have something to push for. Just because you take away their title, is that is that what the, does that mean they have to give up hope for being successful teenagers and, and into adulthood? If anything, I think there's a valuable lesson in this where those kids should be upset at their parents or the parents that put that together. They still had the memories together. They still worked hard as a team. They still accomplished a lot. You can't take the memories away from them. You can't take what they worked towards away from them. But they do have to understand that thanks to the higher-ups at those Little League parks and Jackie Robinson West cheated. They cheated. And it stinks. It's unfortunate. But what else can you do? If you don't do anything to them, who's going to say that little leagues around the world, which they're, they are around the world, aren't going to, to gerrymander and, and do whatever they can to make their team as good as possible? And I'm not going to say it's going to take out the integrity of Little League World Series, but it isn't fair for the teams that do play by the rules. So you hate that the kids have to be punished. You hate that the kids have to be taken away their U.S. championship, although, again... It's not like they're going to be brainwashed men in black style with a pin that's going to make them forget everything. But the parents should be ashamed of themselves. The coaches should be ashamed of themselves. And they should, they should be further punished. I don't know how. I mean, if you ban them from the Little League World Series and coaching teams in the future, that's probably not the end of the world for them. I don't think it would be legal to find them, but they're the ones that... that ruin this for everybody else but i'm not buying into the idea that just because they're taking away their u.s championship world series they have to give up hope as kids that they have to forget about everything they accomplished because it was cheating and they should realize that they shouldn't buy into a team atmosphere that's ridiculous that's a a, a stupid premise They're 12, they're 13, they're 11 years old. I'm sure this hurts, but it doesn't have to be the end of the road for anything. And that was, that was kind of the vibe that you were getting from national media. 
is that because the Little League did this and the Little League was in the wrong, that you're crushing dreams of being successful. It's so dumb. And again, what else can the Little League World Series do? Can they just say, okay, well, the games were the games was, were played, we'll let this one slide, but we'll have stricter penalties going forward? They should do that to begin with. They should have stricter rules and maybe look into rosters and, and districts and make sure that there's no crossovers there. That, that should be the lesson learned from the Little League World Series is they were duped. And hopefully that can insinuate change, but you can't let this go un, unpunished. But again, I, you know, I don't even know how big of a punishment it is. They didn't win the Little League World Series. They maybe have to give up a banner or something. Who cares? They still had the memories. They still had the experience. They still had the success. And hopefully the Little League changes from it, makes things better, makes things more fair. And hopefully these parents apologize to the Jackie Robinson for putting these kids in that situation. I've got some texts and tweets coming into the show. I'll read those after this break here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. To the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. We're back here, 1450, the Sports Buzz. I talked a little basketball to start the show, and then now we've worked our way into the Little League World Series debate on whether or not it was right or wrong to strip Jackie Robinson West of its little U.S. World, U.S. Championship, National Championship, whatever you want to call it. I said that that's what they had to do. It's not a fun or popular decision, but if you break the rules, you break the rules. It's If you don't do that, then you're going to get everybody to, to try to break the rules because there's no penalty. Yeah, here's, here's the thing. For all the people that are making the claim that it, it's – wrong to take their title and it's going to crush these kids hopes and dreams if they had somehow discovered this during the course of the tournament and i i can't imagine why it would have taken so long to for this to now for them to i guess realize that this had happened if if the challenge came during the tournament but if it had if they had confirmed this during the tournament these people surely wouldn't have been okay with the team continuing to play they, I mean, you had to, you would have to have disqualified them then. So, sorry, <laughs> had a little advertisement playing because I was pulling up the article of of one of the 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 article that's gotten the most play for this little thing. But carry on, Yates. If I'm it makes, sorry. If it makes you feel any better, I've done that too before. <laughs> it, it happens all the time. I. Back in the old, good old days of the internet, you, you didn't have to worry about a video playing every time that you went to a new website, but now it's just, now it's awful. Yeah. Luckily, ESPN's changed theirs, where if you hit mute on one ESPN video, it'll mute every ESPN video until you 
decide you don't want it muted. Uh, you should not do that. Um, but this is a Yahoo story, and it, it played. I'm sorry. That's okay. So anyway, so yeah, I mean, surely those people would be okay and even advocate for disqualifying the, that team during the course of the tournament. So why now, after the fact, is it okay to, that you don't do anything? That just seems well, ridiculous to me. Their their argument is you didn't catch them during the act, so why why take something away from kids? Uh, it's I, why punish them because everything's already done. Why don't you just look at yourself in the mirror and try to make sure this doesn't happen again? I I I think that that would be the counter to that. I'm I'm I've been known to advocate for keeping the steroid users out of the Hall of Fame, but I, I would presume that some of these writers are the same ones who are keeping people like Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa out of the Hall of Fame, even though it wasn't found out until after the fact that they were using steroids. Yeah. I'm actually I mean, okay it's, with... it's the same thing other than it being kids. Well. If that's their, if that's their well, argument that you didn't find out until after the fact, so. I mean that. Yeah, I mean, so I now you're telling you're now you're telling the kids that if you get away with it, it's okay to cheat. That's the message they want to send to the kids. Yeah, I I I, I agree with you. I I think there are some differences between steroid use and whether or not they can be in the Hall of Fame versus this, because you know well, the steroid use was in an era when everybody was using steroids. Now, if this was, you know, let's say in 10 years, somebody said, oh, look, that Jackie Robinson West team, they, they were gerrymandering and, and stealing players from other districts, uh, and it turned out that every little league was doing that, then I would say 10 years down the road, let's just not worry about it, let's worry about fixing it. But this happened six months ago. Six months ago, and, and again, I, I'm sure there's cheating throughout Little League World Series because some adults are losers. Uh, I, well, there are a lot of losers, but there are some psycho parents that push success upon their kids and will do whatever it takes to see their kids be successful, even if it is cheating. So I'm sure there is some other cheating throughout Little League World Series, throughout Little Leagues across America and throughout the world. But I'm under the notion that most people probably play by the rules or within some sort of rule boundary. When I was in Little League, we, you know, we went to the Kentucky State Tournament and I maybe won a game or two, but we weren't very good. But we didn't cheat. You know, that's, that's one example. I, I don't know. Uh, but the, the article that really is getting the most play is from Jeff, Jeff Passan from Yahoo Sports said Little League took easy route in punishing kids for wrongdoing of, of adults. He goes on to talk about really, you know, he, he really touches on the fact that this is a team full of African-American kids. African-Americans don't have the type of influence in Major League Baseball that they did, and, and doing this is only going to hurt that. I just think that is a wild, wild assumption. That's a reach. In, I think by coming down on a on a little league because they broke the rules, isn't shouldn't change the course of 
races represented in Major League Baseball, that doesn't make any sense to me. I can't stress enough how bad I probably feel for these kids, but it's just it's an unfortunate situation for everybody where you have to do that. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong in in, in thinking that. Run DMC texts into the show and says that most of the kids from the Val- Valley Station Little League team don't play baseball anymore. Pretty sure none of them went pro. That was the team, I think, in 2002 or 2003. I guess 2002 that won it all from Valley Station just outside of Louisville. I, I think they didn't cheat. But that, that is, that's another good point is that, you know, odds are if you're the best 12 or 13-year-old baseball player in America, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go on to a great MLB career. It usually means that you hit puberty before everybody else. You know, you look at the kids that dominate the Little League World Series. They're the kids that are six foot two, have a mustache, and look like they're 18. But at least in my experience, most of the time with those kids is they don't grow another inch by the time they graduate high school. And, and their athletic careers peak. Now, that's not every kid. But, yeah, again, if the Jackie Robinson team gets crushed by this, and this breaks their spirit to a point where they don't want to pursue having careers in baseball or whatever it is or team building experiences, then, you know, I don't know if that was going to happen. Maybe it wasn't going to happen anyways. They should be fine. They still accomplished all this. It's just in the record books, their name won't be there. Stupid. You've got to. You've got to do something. Anyways, Trevor says that Zach Osborne off the the Valley Station team went pro. Now that was that was the player that I was going to say. And, and remembering that team, they had Zach Osborne, Aaron Alvey, the little peanut guy that all the girls. And this was kind of my age. They were a little bit older than me, maybe by a year or two. They had the little peanut player that everybody loved, who actually I think we played football against back in middle school. <clears throat> and, yeah, I, actually I think he was younger than me. And, and Osborne and Alvy were older, but we played against them, uh, the little peanuts team, in football. And this was when I was in eighth grade, and the teams were eighth and seventh grade. So some of our seventh graders were being – they were starstruck by playing against them. And some on the sidelines were talking about getting autographs, and I remember some of the eighth graders got really, really upset about it in our very serious CSAA football days where we thought that was like playing in the NFL. But we we roughed them up in practice a little bit for for wanting to get autographs and talk to Peanut. I remember that now. But I remember Zach Osborne had some offers to, I think, play play baseball. And I don't know if he went on to to make anything of that. Trevor says that he's playing in the minor league. I'll take his word for it. I know our age difference is a common point of humor on this show. But you talking about that and mentioning that 
you were younger than them. A, A, just hammered it home, and B, made me feel extremely old because I was a freshman in college when those kids won the Little League World Series. Well, that's – you are really old. Haven't <laughs> that's, we made that that's very true. Abundantly clear? <laughs> um, I, they were older, but I think Zach Osborne and Aaron Alvey – Aaron Alvey was – he was scary. He was scary, and I was thinking – he was, I guess, a year older than me. And I, and I was thinking to myself, if that is a person a year older than me and I'm about to go into high school and everybody's going to be that big and scary, I'm going to just get – I'm going to get killed. I'm going to get killed. He was he was huge. JT was probably bigger than you when you were a freshman in college. He 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 probably was close. I mean, I'm I'm I don't know how big he was, but I'm I'm tall, but I'm certainly not stout by any means. He was huge. Uh, Rob Blackhawk says the team got suspended from a hoops church league for bringing in ringers when I was a kid. Pretty low, but still funny. I'm sure stuff like this happens other places, but this Jackie Robinson team went on to go to the Little League World Series, uh, win the United States Championship, and represent the country. Uh, but they were cheating. <laughs> and, and it's all the parents' fault. It's embarrassing. It's stupid. And a lesson for, for everybody out there that if, if you have kids, when you have kids, don't be crazy. Don't be a psycho. Winning isn't everything. Again, some of the, you know, how many MLB players do you think went went to Williamsport and played in the Little League World Series? You always see those old videos of one player that played in the Little League World Series. But what do you think, H? What do you think the percentage is? Of teams that play for the actual World Series, or players that actually play for the World Series, players that played in the Little League World Series, like that made it to Williamsport. You know, they they have the tournament and they've got group stages and this and that. How many do you think actually made it to Williamsport that are currently playing in Major League Baseball today? A handful. You think a handful? Yeah, not. It certainly can't be very many. Well, I I think it's probably less than a handful. I'd, yeah, I would. I mean, I don't know. It, it, yeah, I, I guess a handful in terms of you know maybe ten or twelve. Maybe that's accurate. There's a ton of baseball players, but I would say it's a very, 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 very small percentage. So, anyways, getting a little off topic. Trevor again. He, he knows all this random stuff says that Todd Frazier of the Reds won the Little League World Series. So there are probably some, but not the majority. So parents, if your kid doesn't make it to the Little League World Series, it doesn't mean you have to cheat to get them there. And if you do, it doesn't mean that you've... It's not like these Jackie Robinson West kids, just because they they went to the Little League World Series and lost to... Whoever doesn't mean they would have their road paved to the MLB. Still, a lot of work to do between ages 12 and 18. Those are what some people call the formative years. That's when you uh, start developing as a human, 
going through puberty, but also when you start forming into an athlete. So, anyways, see if there's any more tweets we need to get to before we head to the break. No. Run DMC is noting that we, we play a football game every year. And Brun DMC, he was always the big kid, but he was also two years older than me. So we had to make rules because he was always too big. It wasn't that he was too talented. It was just that he was too big. And I'm sure he's probably cracking up hearing me say that. We're going to head to commercial break. When we come back, we'll talk Louisville's win against Pittsburgh. We need to get to that. Some interesting stuff coming from that. Also, Jay Billis said something outlandish today. Go figure. But we'll be right back here on 1450 The Sports Bus. She said, no, I don't. I only have a friend. Come on. I'm not even going for it. That's what I'm going to say. You, you got what I need. But you say Listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back here, one final segment on a chilly Thursday. <clears throat> First tweet coming in from Brun DMC. Yeah, and this is kind of off topic. Let's touch on this first. I've heard a lot of comparisons of UK's B ball season to Florida's football season. Any, any validity to that? I, 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 besides both being undefeated for the major, majority of their season, uh, that's really all I could get from that. Uh, Florida State played some close games. Kentucky has played some close games, but playing a close game in basketball isn't quite comparable to playing a close game in football. Uh Florida State had a knucklehead lead their team. I don't think Kentucky has that. I, I guess some people, some opposing fans will call John Calipari a knucklehead, but uh, <laughs> I don't think John Calipari or Jameis Winston could be used in the same sentence. So I, I don't see any comparisons to that in terms of both have had very successful runs. Uh, and Florida State was kind of lucky to get by, to get by, to get by. Finally, they're put up against a really good quality opponent, and they get the snot beat out of them. I don't see that happening with Kentucky, so I, I don't think the comparison. I don't think the comparison is there. Florida State, not not Florida. And a close game in football is, is again. If you play six close games in football. Well, that's half your season playing close games. If you play six close games in basketball, you know, that's a a small fraction of your season, a sixth or a seventh of your season. So completely different. So 
So I, I don't think that's a very good comparison. And it's not like, you know, Kentucky's played close games, but they've had two games go to overtime and another game come down to a last-second shot. Besides that, there haven't really been a lot of close games. So really, there's been three close games, realistically. And I know they've played some teams where Kentucky's up four with two minutes to go or up five with two minutes to go. And, I, you know, I, I guess that's close, but it doesn't come down to the wire, per se. So, no. I, I, I haven't heard those comparisons, and I don't really see it. Anyways, let's get to Louisville's game last night. Yates, Louisville finally got some bench points. That they did. They did, they did. Uh, from Mahmoud, Gill, Snyder, they contributed for the card with eight points. Huge for Louisville's bench. A center scored for Louisville. Chinanu Anawaku with four points. But for the first time since I was a toddler, Louisville didn't hit a three-pointer. The fewest three-point three attempts, four, by a Rick Pitino team since he's been, in, been at Louisville. Louisville still ends up cruising to a win after being down in the second half. This is... This is one of the weirder Louisville teams I can ever remember. Maybe the weirdest. They're a top ten team. They have, you know, they have future NBA players that are going to make an impact at the at the next level. Excuse me. But it's just so top heavy. You have. Montrose Harrell and Terry Rozier combined for 50 points. Chris Jones scores seven. Nobody else scores over four. Not a great outside shooting team. It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out for Louisville. No help inside for Montrose Harrell. But, uh, I mean, uh, but this is, Yates, when was the last Louisville team to not have a bad loss? And right now, Louisville has no bad losses. So for as strange as this team is and maybe frustrating for Louisville fans to watch and offensively challenged, as Rick Pitino loves to say, no bad losses on the season. They're taking care of the teams they should take care of. It's, you know, I, I don't think this is a Louisville team that can reach the Final Four unless they get a more consistent scoring outside of Montrezl Harrell, Terry Rozier, really Chris Jones, and, and, and need Wayne Blackshear to step up, and maybe even a fifth guy after that. And I just don't know if they have it. But a, but a really impressive game for Louisville. And, and that game was at home, so it makes it a little bit easier to come back when you're down. But that game was almost unwatchable at that point when Pittsburgh took the lead, and then Louisville just took it right at them and never looked back. 
and played really, really well down the stretch. So all the compliments in the in the world for Louisville, how they're able to close out that game. But Yates, one thing that jumps out to me, and I, and I thought this watching the game, but looking at the stat sheet, I didn't realize it was so bad. Shaquan Aaron, zero points. Zero rebounds. 0 of 2 from the field. Four personal fouls. Plays 24 minutes. How, and I've been Shaquan Aaron's biggest fan, and I still think he's going to be a good player for Louisville. But if you're not having any sort of production, and I know that Louisville doesn't have much offensive production from anybody not named Rogier or Harrell and sometimes Chris Jones, but how does he get so many minutes doing absolutely nothing? Well, last night it was Kate Blackshear being hurt and not playing. So I mean, yeah, the, but the the other people you're going to be playing at that spot are, are Aaron, Gill, and Snyder. I mean, I I you saw it well. Snyder played a lot in the second half, but that was really in place of Chris Jones. Um, I don't, I mean, I guess you, I don't know. I mean, you hope, hope that, he, I mean, you put him out there, I guess, and hope he's going to do something. I mean, I don't think you're going to get much more out of Anton Gill than you got out of Shaquan Aaron. I mean, Gill had what, two points? He probably had some well, rebounds, what, but. you Again, you know, I don't, I don't think this is the answer, but what's, you know, why not Jalen Johnson? I can't imagine Jalen Johnson can play the three. I don't. I, he probably is not nearly quick enough to guard an opposing team's three. And I mean, I guess you could just go really, really big and. You know. He's super long. I mean, if you're looking for defense only, and I like, I think Shaquan Aaron's a good defender, and he's long too. And, you know, I guess he is quick. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying. It's just I, I would have thought he would have at least gotten on the floor somehow. But I guess you probably need another guy that can stretch out the floor if you're going to have Jones and Rozier play together. Because you've, you've got the inside already cram-packed, and you, you need to give Montrose Harrell as much space as possible uh, and get guys that aren't going to score away from him. But I was surprised that Shaquan Aaron was able to to play that much and, and do so little. It'll be interesting. We're running out of time. We'll, we'll talk more about Louisville tomorrow. But a good win, you know, as ugly as it was, still really impressive to be able to do that, all things considered. Thanks for listening today. We'll be back tomorrow on a Friday. Almost work week is almost complete. Thanks for listening. 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll see you then.